You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. Hosted by Blake Murphy 7, all about your Arizona Cardinals. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. I am your host, Blake Murphy, and we've got a emergency pod slash solo pod today. Open to have Kent Hodder back on the program this weekend, but had to talk about everything with the Arizona Cardinals in the news. Uh, a bit of a shorter episode today and not too much to talk about. We have a crazy 48-hour time period starting with the previous Monday, about 6 a.m. Arizona time. Uh, Kyler Murray and his agent Eric Burkhart having a message sent out, essentially, uh, you know, for those of you who want to read it, probably a good 2,000 plus words, uh, the entirety of Kyler Murray in his declarative statement of he wants to be here in Arizona, if they're willing to pay him, wants to win a Super Bowl. Obviously, the part of that that really stands out the most is going to be... um, Simply not just the length of that, you can talk about, you know, the length of it, all caps, the entire avenue of this request being put in right after uh, the, I guess you could say, Newsmakers Week conversation with Michael Bidwell, talking about how uh, the Arizona Cardinals love Kyler, would like to see him be a part of it, think he's getting better. Uh, It's not something, I think, to get into the entirety of it here The biggest thing, of course, being the takeaway of actions speak louder than words in this volatile business. That drops on February 28th. We see a few days later, Wednesday morning, almost in response in a lot of ways, we have the Arizona Cardinals extending Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime with six-year extensions adding onto their deals. So you're talking about the 2027 season. Not as much as far as for other contract details that we can go into. Uh, I know that's probably going to be not quite the $10 million range for Cliff, obviously with Steve Keim and general managers making less. This has just been, I think, a whirlwind for Cardinals fans and just for the Arizona Cardinals being in the news media, not necessarily for good reasons. I want to talk at least start about with going over Kyler Murray, maybe some of the extension, the question, some of the why behind it. Some of the pros and cons, obviously, too, I think are going to be a huge factor here start with the good, the bad, and the ugly with the situation. The good is going to be taking a look at what Murray is doing in context of the Cardinals. We can see that he's essentially playing this game from maybe less of the typical franchise quarterback point and more of the mercenary standpoint in a way that in some cases is really forcing the Cardinals into a path they've not had to take before. We've seen in the past that Steve Keim would, um, with Michael Bidwell, extend quarterbacks like Carson Palmer mid-season. We've seen how they would um, typically treat negotiations as far as what kind of pay you when it comes time to it. We've seen them go up to... uh, should say down to the wire with several of these bigger extensions talking about of course the David Johnson mini holdout that took place talking about how um, we've seen some of the contract negotiations in the offseason been taken care of but this is different this is a quarterback who's 24 years old is eligible for an extension and in some cases people have argued that 
he probably shouldn't be in the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes camp, which I think is a perfectly valid situation. Obviously, Murray has not taken over playoff teams that they did, nor had the same playoff success. The closest comparison maybe would be looking at other quarterbacks who are taken number one, have gone to the playoffs, had some success but not much, have had injuries impact some of their teams and seasons. And I think that looking at Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield as two guys who have not been paid yet are fair, but there's one in particular, and that's Dak Prescott, that I think is probably the closest analog range to what you could say as far as when it comes to Kyler Murray, of a guy who went and played for a season on the franchise tag. He got hurt while he was on the franchise tag, and the Cowboys went ahead, made the choice to pay him anyway, despite the fact that it was maybe a bit of a risk for them to do so. Now, what is also interesting is the Dak Prescott price tag because he was not a first overall pick. He was a fourth rounder. The team franchise tagged him and then promptly followed up with a four-year extension. So not quite the length of a Patrick Mahomes deal, not even the length of a Josh Allen uh, six-year deal that added four years onto the last four of his rookie deal but was still for four years and $40 million per year. And that leads to then the question with all of this. With the good, how is Kyler Murray not worth, to the Arizona Cardinals at least, potentially more than a Dak Prescott? A Dak Prescott who, let's be honest, has not played well in the playoffs, has only made the playoffs twice, and as far as the Dallas Cowboys has been really similar in a lot of different ways to the likes of Kyler Murray despite having arguably more weapons. Remember, Kyler came into 2019, um, whereas Dak came into what was essentially a playoff team with multiple first-round picks. You had a Des Bryant back in the day, Miles Austin in that 2016 team, Jason Witten. And you also saw the likes of Ezekiel Elliott. It's not been the same with Kyler. And yet we've seen that Kyler has had, in a lot of ways, Similar success to Dak Prescott, even though that may not have necessarily um, led to the type of success Cardinals fans have wanted. So if you look at it through that lens and say, is Kyler Murray worth $40 million a year? I think the overall work of his body would say yes. Now, the playoff games, if you're going to say, hey, playoff games, you know, it was looked terrible. Maybe there's questions about if he's going to be willing to take a hit. Is he afraid of contact? Is he someone who can take contact even because of the small size he has? We've seen Murray been able to get away with some of that so far as far as he hasn't had serious injury. We're talking about like that Dak Prescott injury. We haven't seen him, you know, missing multiple games up until this season in which he really missed three games and probably should have missed a bit more. The ankle didn't seem like it was bothering him. But when it comes to quarterback in the NFL, really what happens is that what you are worth is unchanged from the real world. What you are worth ultimately is what someone is willing to pay for you. Now, maybe you have not done the best job of you know, presenting yourself. Maybe there's areas of other jobs you could look for to find. But at the end of the day, if someone is willing to pay $200,000 for a picture of a monkey in a sailor outfit <laughs> that um, isn't even necessarily the image, it's more of paying for the rights to say, hey, this image is mine, then of course... You'd look at the NFL trade market 
you look at the NFL free agent market, you look at the NFL quarterback market and say that it has to at least, in some case, maybe the payment is not in the right place, but that ultimately is what you're worth. And if the Cardinals say right now, cut Kyler Murray, he's on the free agent market, would he get a $40 million a year contract from a team? Yeah, absolutely. So in that regard... The good, at least, is that what Murray is really doing in a lot of this sense, I think at least, is positioning himself. He's positioning himself, and he and his agent have undergone what seems to be kind of a character assassination in an attempt, in a lot of ways, to shape the narrative of the Arizona Cardinals this offseason. Now, the bad, of course, is the way they've gone about this, is essentially gone through where a lot of people are saying, I wouldn't pay Kyler the money, or... I'm glad that he is not my quarterback because, goodness, can you imagine if my quarterback went through that type of drama, that type of offseason? I've seen Seahawks fans who have said that about Russell Wilson, who, let's be honest, had some of this drama previously, but has also been able to get new deals as a result. And the Cardinals have not gotten to that spot yet with Kyler Murray. This is the first time they can negotiate. The one thing, at least, of course, and this is something I've heard even um, up until with, you know, the Arizona Sports John Gambador has talked about this. We've had other people gone about it, but really you take a look at with the quarterbacks who get extended after three years, and then you say, should Kyler be extended? There's other stuff going on with Lamar. We'll get into that. The biggest thing, I think, at least, is when it comes to this place and this time, You're looking at Kyler being in year four of this deal, going into this final last two years, and you see that there's a quarterback just like him in Baker Mayfield who decided to not get that hefty extension, wait a year, kind of bet on himself, got his throwing shoulder hurt, had a miserable season, and there's talk that the Browns may try to move on. They may try to chase after a Kirk Cousins. They may see about trading for a quarterback as far as for checking out who whether other guys are available. That lack of security and the ability for a team to simply trade it to whoever the highest bidder is, move on, retool, there's something to be said about that lack of stability, particularly when it comes to Kyler. Let's say that Kyler's in Baker's shoes. You have a team that's looking to trade and upgrade their quarterback position, like the Carolina Panthers. A very different offensive scheme from the one that you know could even talk about how some team that may be looking to kind of deal or upgrade their quarterback position may be a positive, such as the Denver Broncos, but it may not be a positive to the team that then is losing said quarterback. The Browns, ultimately, with Baker, you can spend a few years debating about the merits of him, but it becomes very clear that he kind of has a ceiling on what he can do for Cleveland. They are a run-first, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt team. You can see them connect at times with you know, the Baker Mayfield Hail Mary against the Cardinals for one, but he doesn't have the athleticism to be able to run away from pass rushers. He doesn't have the arm strength as far as his deep ball or the accuracy when it comes to 20 plus yards downfield. We've seen multiple overthrows and interceptions. And as far as it comes to with whether it's the smarts or the other places, there's just a cap that we've seen on Mayfield as far as being able to elevate the team to a different level. Now, could you make that same argument about the likes of a Kyler Murray? I think perhaps some could, but the biggest thing is that we've seen Murray's athleticism and arm 
has been able to compensate for some of those deficiencies in a way that Mayfield can't. And it is kind of a result of when you're looking at this entire place being a contract issue, how much of that should be done in the public sphere? How much of that isn't being done in the public sphere? For a reason. And I'm going to delve into a little bit of this as far as with what it comes down to, at least from how it relates back to Murray. But let's talk about with Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury, because I was in the camp believing that Michael Bidwell was going to go into this season with both of them on a one-year deal, kind of the don't extend anyone. And then if the Kyler deal gets done, hey, cool, then you've got your quarterback locked up. You at least understand the Arizona Cardinals may be looking for a new coach, a new direction at GM, or perhaps they're simply looking at tying all three of them together. No one gets an extension. Wait till year four is done. We'll take it from there. And instead, we end up seeing Michael Bidwell do what was probably shocking to a lot of people, including in the league, particularly after reports came out that he was really unhappy at the end of the season. He gave six-year deals to both Kime and Kingsbury as far as extending their current contracts. Now, this was immediately met with groaning in the Arizona media. This was met with groaning amongst fans. There's a plethora of Cardinals fans who have doubt about Cliff Kingsbury, his capacity as a coach, particularly as a head coach, questions about his air raid scheme and offense, questions about if he was outcoached during some of these playoff stretches and in the second half of the season. There's been even more questions about Steve Kime. And I even said ending the year, you don't want to... Ryan Pace it. You don't want to Matt Nagy comparing, of course, to the Chicago Bears and their head coach and GM who were recently fired this past season after drafting Justin Fields and not making the playoffs uh, following the year that they went eight and eight, lost to the Saints, passing the Arizona Cardinals for that last playoff seed. Cardinals did go and they Nagy and paced it, and yet they were still ultimately at the end of the day rewarded for that 11-win season, particularly that 10-2 start. And I think that in one hand, you want to say that this is at least a positive for Michael Bidwell of not making an emotional decision out of it, because it's not that he simply set everything down with these contract extensions that most people are assuming were probably promised end of the year. But it also does feel like it's an emotional decision by Michael Bidwell to keep with the long-tenured Kime showing off the loyalty to him, to Cliff Kingsbury seeing the coach having turned the team around. There's an avenue of question of on the line of how do you reward good play for the team versus looking at the Cardinals as this type of poverty franchise that someone will say the first time they get 10 or 11 win season, boom, extension for six years. I think that's a fair critique. And I think it's also at least a spot where a lot of people, from what I think at least, would probably not have been as off-putting from the contract extension should it have been slightly shorter. For example, if you look and say, hey, Kingsbury and Kime extended through the 2024 season. They both get a two-year extension. Most fans look at that and go, all right, no, you're going to be paying them. You're maybe cementing them, but you're not quite getting married to the idea of paying them, you know, five to six years down the road that's not too bad of a deal. People would be excited to at least see Cliff Kingsbury being able to get rewarded. The idea of coaches who win in Arizona get extended. 
And people would even, those who are not Steve Kime defenders, begrudgingly accept that he put together a heck of an offseason for the Cardinals, bringing in the likes of James Conner, a solid deal for A.J. Green, being able to bring back several players such as Marcus Golden and Kelvin Beecham on deals, uh, as well as, of course, the crown jewel in his cap, the trade for Rodney Hudson and signing J.J. Watt. They're ultimately... When you saw those stars on the field for the Cardinals had the team as the best team in the National Football League outside of, at least at that point, the Green Bay Packers, um, who arguably were maybe a better team, but did have one pretty bad loss to begin the year. I think that it was saying that the reward for them could have been tempered by the way the season finished and ultimately it really kind of ends up being a 50-50 coin flip. Do you extend them? Yes or no? could probably flip a coin. Now, that being said, this ain't just a coin flip decision. For a lot of people, this seems to be prepping Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Keim for long-term control of the organization. This is now Steve Keim ultimately getting his third contract extension from the team after he joined the team as the GM in 2013. This also is a continuing Steve Keim, and who's been, I believe, the college scouting director since 2006 with the Cardinals. He's now going to be locked up for potentially at least being paid 20 years from the franchise and having a huge indirect say as long as he's in the Cardinals' seat there as general manager in their scouting process. And the results have not been that favorable, especially looking at early first-round picks. There have been questions about fit, questions about if they're taking too many linebackers. There's still obviously, it feels like, a need at linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals. There's questions about the ultimate hiring of some of the coaches they've had and even some of the ability under Steve Keim to find quality veteran coaches who will work. But you also can't deny that by reaching out and taking a bit of a risk on Cliff Kingsbury and how he's turned the team around and Mark my words, it has been ultimately Cliff turning the team around. This was a bottom-ranked offense that he took over. It's not necessarily been a defensively-led team in the same way that it was under Bruce Arians. It's been a solid improvement under defense, but it's been night and day compared to what it was with Josh Rosen and Mike McCoy's offense leading the helm. So then it comes down to the question of, all right, this is done. You can maybe say that this is a spot where could the Cardinals regret it in a year, two years? Absolutely. Could the Cardinals end up seeing stability that goes on where this is a team that's able to make the playoffs year over year, able to make enough picks to be able to do great? Absolutely. I think it'll take a perfect type of offseason, plus maybe something in season from Steve Kime to get to that type of Super Bowl. And that's just from a team-building standpoint. You, you're needing to replace the likes of a departing Chandler Jones, a Christian Kirk. You're needing to essentially bring in more talent in addition to replacing those guys. It's going to be some work to be able to get the Cardinals ahead of some of their counterparts, not just in the NFC, but in the division as well. I think that the biggest step for the Cardinals to look at is where do we go from here? How does this relate to Kyler? How does this relate to the team? And what does this mean for the 2022 season? And perhaps beyond. And here's kind of the three biggest things, I think, as far as the takeaways. And the first one, of course, is 
when you look at how Eric Burkhart has worked this, the narrative on the Cardinals has drastically shifted over the last 48 hours. Because we went from having Kyler Murray deletes his Instagram, he's not happy, to things seemingly smoothed out a bit with Michael Bidwell, with Murray essentially coming out in support of the team with the reports that dropped that seemed very Steve Kime oriented from um, the uh, agent in, I believe it was um, Chris Mortensen. Uh, I should say not agent, but the NFL reporter. Very, very interesting timing. We've heard at least for the most part that it was about a week and a half or so that the Cardinals put um, right onto the plate of Steve Kime. Uh, an extension offer. And this is an extension offer, of course, that hasn't been done before as far as this time period. It's an extension offer that would allow the Cardinals to save a little bit of cap space for now, probably about maybe a minimum four, maybe up to about five to six million dollars, which would allow them to keep the likes of a James Conner, maybe keep a Zach Ertz. These are deals that usually have not been done this early, but you also have not seen teams when they've drafted a rookie quarterback be this quite up against the cap. This is part of with how Steve Kime has managed the team. This is part of why we've talked about and why I talked about this previous year. Enjoy this 2021 season while it lasts because the 2022 season, there's going to be issues. There's going to be not as much depth. There's going to be not as much talent. And there's going to be issues with trying to address this talent that's really going to come up to the draft. Now, what we've seen, at least for the most part, is that is probably about a week and a half or so, at least ago, probably lines up pretty cleanly with the idea of just around the Super Bowl. A little bit after the Super Bowl, where the Cardinals had the statement released in Kyler Murray, you can kind of line up some of the different places and say, hey, one way or another... The Arizona Cardinals, at least, have put out that they're wanting to stay. This is not a spot where Kyler is just waiting it out. This is not a spot where they're wanting to be able to um, negotiate in a different spot. There's not necessarily asking for a trade. This has been, want to stay in Arizona, want to be able to get paid. Here's the contract extension proposal. And from what we've heard is that Steve Keim has not even picked up the phone to call back to Kyler Murray. And this is where I think it gets into some of the ugly. Because this has been the case with Kaim. You look back to the 2016 season following. Calais Campbell was leaving to get $30 million a year from Jacksonville. Goodness. The Cardinals didn't pick up the phone to listen to his offer. There's an even video of him saying, can you call back the Cardinals to see if they'll counter? And the agent said, no, they're not going to counter. Fast forward to a few years later with the Tyron Matthew after essentially being approached to take a pay cut, ends up being released from the team instead, goes off with a tirade against the team. You see more and more members of the Cardinals' uh, no-fly zone, as they like to be called, were coming out with things against the GM, such as ideas of snakes in the grass, promises made that weren't kept. And I think that when you look at this here with Steve Kime, it really does seem to be a hypocritical statement to point out that Kyler Murray is you know, maybe a selfish type of player for the most part when you see that the Cardinals and Steve Kime have preached accountability, have preached about leadership, and have ultimately preached about production and performance, saying, oh, hey, don't take it personal. This is a business. This is how it goes. You're paid for what you're worth. Well, what Steve Kime ultimately, I think in a lot of ways, people would say has been 
probably the worst current drafting GM in the NFL. And the reason why he is is not because of his picks and track record have been worse than any other general manager. No, no, it's because he's had job security where other general managers have gotten fired or in the case of a Dave Gettleman have retired rather than to see the team essentially have to make the move of cutting them. And in that regard, at least, you can kind of see there's a little bit of a pattern of Kime and the Cardinals where players get a bit older, they aren't producing as much, but they still want to stay with the team, keep some of that stability, keep the relationship going. And Kime has not returned calls, apparently, not just from Murray, but from other players as well, we've heard. And that's where it seems like it's then a double standard. Hey, I'm the GM and I get these extensions I get to keep making these different draft picks. I am not performing up to the production that I need, but I still am going to be able to get my extension. Meanwhile, you, the player, as soon as you get a bit older or not producing to the right level, boom, trade you away like David Johnson, or boom, you're just going to let you test the free agent market, say, see ya, not return some of those calls. And in this regard, it almost looks like Steve Keim is almost saying, hey, Kyler, you may send me that deal for the extension. We don't deal with any of that stuff until August. It's just, it's just not how it's done. When, in fact, it seems like in that regard, Steve Kime is almost like, hey, Kyler, until I get mine, I'm not going to worry about getting you yours or negotiating with you. And if I was a quarterback, I would be almost furious. <laughs> I mean, you take a look at the situation, how it's gone. Steve Kime was the one who essentially put together that 2018 offseason that earned them the number one pick. Cardinals decided that Steve Wilkes was the one to blame. Most people looking back on that season now would say that it was a combination of Kime and Bidwell and their moves. Every move that they made happened to be the wrong one. Sometimes it's just bad luck. You know, people didn't expect that you'd have a tackle that would have injury situations, losing perhaps four out of your five starters on the offensive line. People didn't predict that Sam Bradford was probably going to be done after two games as far as an NFL starter, and then game three, um, taking that hit, the fumble against the Bears, it just felt like that was pretty much it for his career. We have not seen him on a football field since. Uh, I don't know whether he retired in the moment. I don't know whether that worked out. But in one way or another, that offseason got the Cardinals to where they were with that number one pick. And with Cliff Kingsbury coming in, by all accounts, Steve Kime was the one making the pick. But it is very evident from what Cliff Kingsbury said, how the offseason went, that he was probably the guy in charge of the selection of Kyler Murray, or at least was the largest advocate of it, and moving on from Josh Rosen. Perhaps Cliff would have been content to keep Rosen to roll with him. From what we know of Steve Kime down the wire, there were times where he talked at least with Quinn and Williams, saying you still have a chance to be pick number one. Most people felt like that was not the case, at least, or perhaps maybe there was an avenue where Kime would have normally picked Quinnen at number one, but the direction of the franchise had to go Murray at that point. We may ultimately never truly know for sure. However, I can at least say that I feel very confident in that the Cliff Kingsbury experience centers around Kyler Murray and ultimately has resulted in the Cardinals and Steve Kime getting that job extension. Now, this sets up why the Cardinals have been so frustrated with this extension talk, there's probably, if Steve Kime has made it very clear that the Cardinals were going to extend Kyler, he's made it very clear that the timeline 
is going to be worthy of paying him as how he's looking to be treated. Had the Cardinals could even be fathoming potentially moving on from Kyler Murray um, with these questions, at least of him and his leadership. And I feel like that there's areas to say that Kyler needs to probably be maybe less of a finger pointer, maybe own a bit of things more. Perhaps there's questions about these working hard enough. I think that we've seen plenty of offseason work to know and improvement to see that that's not something that should be a concern. I think the area that's come up at least is that the Cardinals' expectations and standards for Kyler and the standard and expectation for Steve Keim is on a different page. And that, I think, is partially why Burkhardt is pushing so hard. He has shaped the narrative now where if you say, hey, you've extended Steve Kime, you've extended Cliff Kingsbury, why not Kyler too, the guy who's gotten you there? You can almost even see how it's inevitable. If Burkhart knew, and he probably knew based on the fact that his other client is one of the people who's gotten this deal, knew that Kingsbury's extension was coming, knew that Steve Kime's extension was coming, he's now shaped it in a way where you cannot question that Kyler Murray should be extended because you're extending Cliff and Kime for the next few years? Well, it only makes sense after all they've gone through with these questionable decisions, with the questionable coaching. You're probably going to be extending the quarterback who's a part of this. And that's not normal, I think, in the regard of it probably means the Cardinals have been on the fence about paying Kyler Murray for one way or another, or have perhaps been trying to leverage things to under some $40 million per year with some of these off-season reports, with some of these questions. Where does it all go? Well, here's one place where it goes. And I think Timbering talked about this the other day. There's been obviously some questions or concerns about the Cardinals and their coaching staff about them being tied long-term. And on one hand, I think it's not something that you worry about for 2022. Really, at the end of the day, if the Cardinals had extended Cliff and Kime at 10-2, and two, nothing really changes. They extended them now nothing truly really changes. You just know that there's probably going to be a decision at the end of 2022 that may weigh a bit heavier now that they've got that longer-term extension versus, say, two years, say, going in as a lame duck. I think it does tell us a lot about Michael Bidwell. So the first thing we learned about is with Kyler and shaping the narrative, we've seen how ultimately at the end, while some character may have been sacrificed, the Cardinals have essentially guaranteed that it's going to be a bad look for them if they choose to kick the can down the road for a year with Kyler Murray, not pay him, because of Burkhart getting out in front with that narrative. I don't know if it's the best area. Some people might say Kyler needs to find a different agent who can change, but ultimately, this is a spot where I think going back to Kyler Murray from him in college, you can tell based on his dad who switched sports to maximize his earnings, how Kyler wouldn't talk about um, him joining the NFL until he officially had left um, the Oakland Athletics, paid back his bonus, just in case there was a chance that, you know, the A's could force him to have to uh, uh, essentially, um, what can I say at least, uh, have any sort of litigation or areas. Um, a lot of that is just simply making sure that when Murray knew his decision was fine, he was going to be able to pay back and get that extra uh, money to make up for it. There's a bit of a mercenary aspect of maximizing your earnings. We've seen Kyler make a lot of different sponsorship deals already. We've seen him dip into the esports ownership environment. This is a guy who is looking to make money at the NFL level, and that's something that I think every quarterback strives to do. Some people may question and say, does this mean that he cares more about money in the game? And there's 
going to be people who question that because of the way this offseason has gone. And the hope is that Burkhart has overplayed their hand or painted a picture at least of a disgruntled, unsatisfied quarterback who really is not taking the steps to be the best he can be. Because if that's who Kyler Murray is, then I think we'll learn that in the next year or so. If that isn't who he is, then I think that we'll learn that as well over the course of this process of seeing how he reacts and responds once he gets paid. Is this a place where Murray was kind of trying to avoid getting hurt down the stretch, looking at seeing if there was a big payday coming? That may worry a lot of fans. Does that mean that he suddenly goes out and suddenly changes the behavior? We've rarely seen quarterbacks go out. I should say not say quarterbacks. We've rarely seen players go out once they've gotten paid and suddenly transform into this sort of world beater or elite type of player. Usually it's in your heart or it isn't. We'll learn a lot of that about Murray, but the real thing the Cardinals have shaped ultimately is that they look in some ways like the bad guy if they choose to not pay Kyler because of the decisions that Bedwell has made. If the Cardinals had, say, paid Cliff, paid Kime, and then not paid Murray, you probably would say, oh, well... They paid those two already, but that was decision was made. We hadn't seen that slide yet. Maybe some of that slide they put is on Kyler. Oh, this this is something to watch if you're a fan for next year's. Is Kyler Murray going to step up? That puts all the onus on Kyler and none of the onus on GM Steve Kime, who's already then gotten his extension and has had the narrative shifted to his quarterback. Now it's back on the Cardinals. We've learned about Michael Bidwill. He could have probably chosen to take these lame duck years, taken a down year, maybe promoted someone from inside to be the GM, could have tried to look for an outside veteran coach. I I don't think the Cardinals are going to have a shot at Sean Payton. Uh, We heard news at the Combine that Payton was sought after by the Miami Dolphins. The Saints decided to turn down or reject that. Perhaps he comes back and coaches the Saints in a year. Perhaps he ends up letting them know, hey, it wasn't... Wanting to take on the Dolphins, guys. Sorry, the uh, it's not any job. I'm just looking to leave from the Saints. There's specific jobs I'm looking for, and it makes a lot of sense that he'd want to at least have a quarterback that is in a very different regard, probably less of the Tua Tagovailoa regard and more of the Murray, the Prescott regard. It might simply be that he's just waiting for that Dallas Cowboys job to open up and take that over. What I think we've learned with Michael is the Cardinals entering into this offseason, everyone said if you're a lame duck coach, a lame duck GM, players aren't going to want to sign here. You don't really have that set vision for the future. You're not quite sure. And that may not have changed. If there's a down season and Michael decides to move on, that may be the same. But at least you don't know that going in. The Chicago Bears and their decisions that they made essentially secure that they weren't going to sign great free agents. They weren't going to sign a top-notch quarterback in free agency or make a trade for a veteran quarterback to sort of keep that ball of the playoffs rolling. And I wonder if things got to Michael Bidwell where he simply not wanted to endure a down season, and it makes sense. You look at what the one down season for the Cardinals did back in 2018. They were not just the laughingstock of the league, but you had questions about players long-term, You had guys like Patrick Peterson demanding trades. You had players like Chandler Jones who went from a Hall of Fame track to being a double-digit sack guy. You went from seeing Buda Baker used in a role that was prime for him to break out into 
essentially what was, by the end of the season, a safety-playing linebacker at a tiny size. These are things that Michael does not want. He wants to be able to put together a winning product, and he's trusted these guys to be in a winning product. But it also does seem like that there's been contentment, where, in other words, Michael is willing to keep his GM, keep his head coach to avoid having um, the Cardinals have a down year as far as perception in the league with guys signing, but not quite enough, perhaps, of being willing to overhaul or commit to that year in order to try to be better for the long term. And this is kind of one of the areas about with Michael. If Michael's going to have a choice between winning and winning his way, I think that Michael is one of those guys who his loyalty and his factor, his comfort level, you'd probably choose it your way. If your choice is going to be besides going to a nice healthy place or going to a fast food restaurant, when it's in the heat of the moment and you're hungry, which is going to be easier, putting together a salad or just going down, grabbing some Cane's chicken fingers from down the street? I would probably say it's not going to be taking the salad. There's a reason why meal prep uh, services make so much money each year of someone else putting it together. When it comes to that, when you know them, you trust them, there is a loyalty factor that comes in that's a part of Michael. And I do think that there's loyal to a fault can put emphasis on the fault in this regard. In that regard, we've seen how Michael, perhaps at least in this regard, is wanting to keep the Cardinals going, even ultimately if it ends up being a down year. He doesn't want this to be too down a year, and that makes sense. You don't want this to be a spot where you suddenly see the Cardinals turn into the Houston Texans of everything is built around Deshaun Watson. We've traded away, lost some of our best assets, and suddenly you end up having a team that is struggling, has a quarterback that wants to win and is not happy. I can understand that. You don't want to lose fans and seats with a down year. But it also makes you wonder, at least, is Michael more committed to this team that may finish with 10 to 11 wins each year, second place in the NFC West, watches them lose ground to a team like the Niners when they have Trey Lance on a rookie quarterback contract, getting plenty of picks, seeing coaches underneath get hired for jobs. Uh, Vance Joseph, for all accounts, did not get hired for the Miami Dolphins job. Mike McDaniel did. And you can see how the offensive-minded guys have just been continuing to get these jobs in the NFL. And there's not really that guy under Cliff that people are looking at as far as for jobs because Cliff is the guy. I've seen how Adrian Wilson ended up back in the Cardinals organization. There's going to be, I think, a lot of questions ultimately about if Michael Bidwell's comfort level is able to take on something outside of Steve Kime, something outside of a pretty much perfect situation type of guy in Cliff Kingsbury who is not really going to put up a fuss or object. He's going to roll with the punches, stay calm, not complain about the GM being able to have final say. It's a very comfortable situation for him with the Arizona Cardinals. That's one of the things I think we've learned about Michael is that he's willing to commit to that six-year deal versus, oh, wow, quarterback went for six, your other guys went for three. There's pressure now on your general manager and head coach. He's kind of removed some of that pressure from them one way or the other. And the last thing I think that we've learned also, at least, is with Kyler Murray and with these top quarterbacks, there's going to be drama. That Just, just plain and simple. There's going to be drama. On one hand, you can say it's a positive for the Cardinals to be in this perpetual news cycle because they weren't previously. The last time the Cardinals were this heavily in the news cycle, it was 
being mocked for hiring Cliff Kingsbury, being mocked for with Steve Wilkes. They, they weren't even on the radar for people, I think, in that terrible year. We've had people with the Cardinals, with Carson Palmer, with others, people wondering how good the Cardinals really were throughout those seasons. The people who were getting the headlines really were Russell Wilson and the Legion of Boom during that entire stretch of time. Or the Jeff Fishers not going 7-9. and nine. These are all areas that made national news. And now it's the Cardinals having this as well. There's less news about Jimmy Garoppolo versus Trey Lance. There's a lot of news about the direction of the Cardinals as a franchise. And perhaps maybe watching some of this soap opera that is professional sports is more entertaining than we'd like to admit. Perhaps the Kyler deleting his Instagram, something that was talked about for essentially two weeks up until the Super Bowl, all of that has been something that has caught national attention. It's something that's intriguing. It's almost like watching a train wreck that happens. And the question then is, do you want to have that train wreck associated with you? In some cases, I think if the outcome is winning, fans will probably be fine with it. If the Cardinals come back next year and are a 12-win team and are knocked out of the playoffs in the first round and there's the same question continuing, guess what? Fans will probably be fine with bringing them back for another year. Some fans won't. Some fans will say, all right, just give them an extension, give them another year. But I think that's what the Cardinals, what you have to look at is this is something you'll have to deal with.